right. How's it going, everybody, this evening? It is I, Penguin Rage, and we are here live on Twitch recording episode 9 of the Games Reloaded podcast. But this episode is not just any episode. We are joined by our first special guest. That's not Brian. Screw my brother. Fuck him. He's not here again. So sorry, Brian. Once again, you suck. I'd rather Will's now going to replace his seat. Will's going to be here every single week. But yes, the one and only <laughs> Will Powers. How's it going, man? Hey, Kyle. How you doing? Uh, oh, thanks for having me on. I'm glad to have you, man. I'm uh, glad we were able to do this and uh, just hang out, have a good time. So, you know, just real quickly, Will, I know we'll get into the topic of the show, which will be actually all about you and kind of what you do in the video game industry, uh, where you came from and, you know, kind of how you broke into it. But, you know, quickly plug yourself and let everybody uh, out there know uh, who you are, what you do and where they can find you. Sure. Uh, yeah. My name is Will Powers. Uh, it's one of those names that you introduce yourself with uh, first and last name. Uh, just one of those things. Either, <laughs> either, you're either your first name or your full name. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm a full name guy. So uh, Will Powers, I work at Deep Silver. Uh, we, we're a video game publisher. For those of you who aren't familiar, we, have, we own the IPs for Dead Island, Saints Row, Metro, Homefront, uh, we just recently published Mighty Number no. 9, F1, um, Dirt, so we, uh, you know, I think I launched seven games in the past six months, so it's been been pretty busy, but uh, before that I was PR agency, before that I was at, uh, at Sony, um, but yeah, I do PR and uh, marketing for, uh, for all of North and South America. There it is. Yeah, Will's a busy guy. So, you know, you're probably quite familiar with him. You see him at panels, speaking on panels at different conventions. You see him on his presence online, on social media, Twitch streams, the whole gamut. So, uh, you know, Will's somebody that I've been fortunate enough to work with uh, over the last couple of years, and especially with the the GameStop show and the live stream there, um, him bringing out some great content. So, uh, once again, we appreciate Will being here this evening and uh, taking time out of his very busy schedule with, like you said, he's launching all these games, doing things to uh, join us here with our young episode nine podcast. So it's uh, it's a pleasure on my end. So I appreciate the time. Um, so just making a little bit of business. Making waves. Hey, that's, <laughs> we all got to do it, man. That's that we got to keep chipping away. <laughs> So, no, it's much appreciated. And for those of you that aren't informed, if this is your first time tuning in to the live stream here on Twitch, it is twitch.tv slash penguinrage. I'm Penguin Rage. I'm a variety streamer streaming every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday night. But, of course, for those of you listening to the podcast on podcasting services such as iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and YouTube, welcome. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, send in some comments, questions, anything like that. Let me know what you think, and, uh, you know, you could also be on the show in the future, which... I do got to remember to check the emails. But with that being said, let's dive into things that me and you both know and love very well is games. So, Will, what, what have you been playing lately, man? I know you're busy, but you got to find time to play some games. I know you stream. What what you been uh, grabbing the sticks with lately? Oh, man. I finally got a chance to dive into uh, Deus Ex, and it's it's real good. It's like it's like real, real, real good. Um, I'm ha- having a great time with that, and that's... That's one of those franchises, at least for me, that uh, I, I started playing the original on PC, not like Human Revolution, but like the original Deus Ex right. back in the day. So this one uh, hits me right in the nostalgia feels, and um, it's it, it's everything I wanted from the game. Uh, it, the sound's just bad. Whoever whoever's the audio mixer on the, <laughs> like on the game just 
it's really it's really weird. Like I hate to have like a odd criticism like that, but right. it's a story driven, story focused game, and they just didn't mix the dialogue the dialogue well. And you have to readjust everything so you can actually hear what's happening over the sound effects. Really, it's the honest, like the most strange thing I've ever experienced in like a single player story driven game. That's but, uh, super odd. It's it takes five seconds to change in the in the options, but huh. it's yeah, it's if that's my biggest criticism with the game, I think they're doing all right. Hey, that's <laughs> not too bad then. <laughs> Man, uh, what else so. have you been playing though? Um, for the most part, like that's that's been a lot of what I've been playing. I still uh, I mess around with like a stupid match three game that I've been playing for a long time. Uh, that's made by the creator of Puzzle Quest. It's okay. called uh, Gems of War. Is I probably dumped like four hundred or some odd hours in that. It's one <laughs> of those things you you pop into for and play for like two minutes. Yeah. And it yeah it's like it's free to play. It costs nothing and it just eats your time away. Um, but yeah, between that and Deus Ex, I've uh, I've pretty much like dumped all my time into into those this weekend. That's that, no, that's great to hear. And you know, that's the funny thing is, I've been watching a few streams of Deus Ex, and it was always on my radar. It was like, you know, should I get this? Should I wait around? And my backlog's huge, and I never mm-hmm. got around to picking it up, and you know, didn't really push to trying to get my hands on one. But you're right, everything I look looked at and everything I watch, it looks spectacular. I mean, especially. If you're wanting to scratch that itch of a single-player, you know, stealth-based, story-driven game, it seems to be that type of thing. But, man, uh, it's, yeah, it's like a it's like a more focused version of like Metal Gear Solid. Is probably the the best way to describe it because MGS is like it's it's not very focused. You don't you have no idea what's going on with the plot. You, right, right. There's it's just kind of it's kind of all over the place, and you're just you're Trying to figure, you're trying to stealth your way around, uh, especially in like one through four. Five is a little bit more open world, but um, right. I feel like this is more of a focused, narrative-driven experience that scratches the same edge. Oh, that's that's awesome here. And as everybody knows, tuning in, you know, I think uh, Brian out there tuning in as well. Like they know I'm a Metal Gear fanatic, so you know I might have to find some time for this and get, go ahead and pick it up but uh you know it, it is what it is i i didn't play uh the last one and, and you know it's not like i'm too big into the lore of the story of any of it but it looks to be interesting and, and my favorite still style games are story driven single player experiences i mean that's just who i am and it's what i love it's my bread and, bread and butter so you may have just convinced me but you know i'm i'm still knee deep you know in my my world in uh the witcher 3 i way late i know i know i'm a year behind but you know, I, I started it. I'm probably like 15 hours in now enjoying it. It's fun. Just trying to find time to where you got to be deep into it. I But also, for those of you that tuned in and listened last weekend, I, my PS4 in my, uh, where I play a lot of those types of games where I can uh, lay around and, and do it slowly is it crapped out on me and I didn't have it backed up to the cloud. So I lost a whole oh, bunch no. of fucking content. Yeah, that was. Oh, no. My girlfriend was like, are you seriously like that upset right now? I was like, yes, you don't understand how much. <laughs> time i just lost in all these different games it was and the worst, the worst part is especially single player dr- games yep. those are so hard to backtrack and redo that content yep no, it's it, like it's so grueling it um, killed me man like i would just it's like i got shot <laughs> it, it, it yeah was bad. It, 
Oh man! So you're doing you're still doing the main campaign? You're not doing Blood and Wine or any of that? Nope, I'm just the main original oh. vanilla uh, Witcher three right now. I haven't even dabbled anywhere near uh, the the uh, the DLC content and everything that just came out, uh, you know, throughout the time. And now and now just recently the complete edition. So it's yeah, all there. It's, the game's so good. Like that's that's one of the one of the best games of last year. Like it, hands down. No, definitely. I, I'm, I'm seeing why everybody loved it. And once you get immersed in it, if I can find, you know, three or four hours to just sit down and play, you fall into that world. And it's it's awesome. But I think well, that really is part of its downfall is if I don't play it for that amount of time, I'm like lost of where was I got to grab, uh, you know, get my hands on everything again and try and figure out where I was, how I was playing, uh, what these objectives were and everything like that. But so that's far, actually really interesting I'm because there's a, there's from a game design standpoint, uh, they actually look at that. How easy it is? How easy is it to come back to a game after you put it down? Um, and it, Witcher, like for me, that's actually what stopped me from completing it mm-hmm. because I put in like forty hours and switched to another game. I think like I switched to Dark Souls three or something. Right. And I've completely forgotten where I am, what I'm doing, the control scheme of the game, and it's. I, I never have like four hours dedicated to the side to be able to come back and actually give it the time investment that it's worth to be able to fully invest my invest myself again into the game. Yep. No, so, that's exactly it. I think that's as amazing as the game is and how big and how much content there is that absolutely. I think you nailed it on the head. It's that's why it took me a year to even just crack it open. I had it sitting here. And, and it was just like, I just can't because I know I can't dedicate what the game deserves. And, and, and then when I did, and I actually played the first like five hours just straight, I was like, I'm glad I did that because that's the way to play the game. And that's why I try and do it in chunks. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. Like, that's, that's the way I play like the Soul series. Um, that's the way I played Metal Gear. That's the way to play yep. Witcher. You don't, you don't play those games in 10-minute portions. <laughs> no, you like don't. It, it's it's real bad. Like those are super heavy time investment games, and it's the downside of that is once you put them down, it is so hard to come back to them. And, and that's exactly it. And Hizah that just jumped into the chat just nailed it on the head. He said, "Reminds me of Shadow of Mordor. I got thirteen to fifteen hours in it, and it came out and it took a long break from it." came back and just wandered around aimlessly and forgot everything. And that is, you know, like you said, there's data, the devs look at this and, you know, that sometimes is what makes a game great, but it also is what scares a lot of people away. And it's a hard balance to try and bridge the two. And, you know, you, especially open world games where you don't know where you were going, what the objectives were, everything like that. You know, the games that are a bit more linear, let's take Uncharted 4. You can kind of still dive right back in, but of course, mm-hmm. you're still forgetting the story and what it is. But the core mechanics of the game, you probably didn't forget versus something like The Witcher. And like, geez, I, every time I get in there, I got to re-tell uh, my brain, how do I how do I set up everything and how am I crafting things and how am I selling stuff and how am I like repairing my armor? It's just yeah. like, Jesus Christ. As stupid, <laughs> so as, stupid as it is, like that's why I keep coming back to that dumb match three game. Because I can always remember how to match three. <laughs> yeah. Just, that's all it takes. It's got the addictive um, factor, man. Yeah, just but... Uh, get your hooks in you. I mean, it, there's something to be said about, like, from a game design standpoint, like that, what, what we're talking about. Uh, but 
it's also being able to step back and say, you know, I didn't beat the game, but I can respect it for being a freaking amazing game, yep. and I just I just don't have the time to be able to beat it. Uh, that's that's like where I sit with a lot of these games because I don't have I don't have four hundred hours to one hundred percent Metal Gear Solid Five. <laughs> no, like I wish I did. That would be awesome, but no. Nope. That's, that's the dream, right? That is. What being unemployed? No. <laughs> oh, hey, no, no, no. That's the dream. I mean, hey, I'd love this. I'd sit here and play stream stream my games eight hours a day if I made enough money doing it. Some people yeah. have that luxury and more power to them. It's just unfortunately, I don't have the disposable income to take the three months to just dedicate my life to set that up. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's it's real interesting though. Just kind of like looking at it from looking at it from that perspective. Like you're you say you're a variety streamer. I mean, then and that's something that takes a lot of dedication because you can't focus on one game yeah, it's all that time. Yeah, you need to be on the latest and greatest thing, which just happens to be Overwatch 24-7 right now. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but you know what? I have to say, I mean, Overwatch does scratch that itch of what I miss from a lot of games. It's just Maybe it's just me getting older and not having the time, but, you know... I, I, we kind of make Friday nights or community nights here on Twitch and uh, Overwatch is that game where the people from the audience can play with us. I get on there with Brian and Matt and other people and we're all just drinking. I'm having my whiskey with whiskey night and we're all just shooting the shit and having a blast. And we've had some of the most fun playing something like that, you know, like you said, it's high noon. It's exactly it. But <laughs> I, I, it's funny how that works. Right. But it's, you know, to kind of go complete polar opposite. And, you know, you mentioned the other major game I've been playing, but kind of has that dedication factor as well. But is I've been putting in work in F1 2016. And, mm -hmm. I mean, I Will already knows I'm a huge Formula One fan, and I've been waiting on this game forever. And so the, some of y'all out there in the chat know that. But I haven't streamed it because I know I need to fucking put my eyes to the track and focus on that game and not have any distractions from reading the chat, engaging with the, the fans and doing that sort of thing. And... You can make the argument as well is if you walk away from a game like that where there is a lot of high attention to detail, if you play it that way, then you can't necessarily dive right back in. And, you know, I try and do it the proper way where I'm doing the practice sessions. I'm going through tweaking my car setup and then I'm going into the qualifying and then the race. And, you know, I'm dedicating like four hours at a time when I'm doing a race weekend. And mm -hmm. it's spectacular, though. I mean, I can't I, I, I touched on it a lot on the last show and I can't say enough great things about that game of how well done it is especially in comparison to the last few years it i mean well i mean it's, i'm i'm not going to be shy i'm going to toot i'm going to toot uh codemaster's own horn here a oh, little yeah. bit um this i mean this a couple of the reviews have been like this is the best racing experience this generation uh yeah. it's it's honestly like everyone's talking about how critically acclaimed Deus Ex is right now Mm -hmm. F1's two points behind it on Metacritic. Yeah. Like, it's, like, the lowest score it's gotten is a 7. Like, it's, and it's sitting, like, at 82 right now. Like, split split all seven, two sevens, a bunch of eights, and a couple nines. Like, it is, it is just right there uh, with every other, every other good game. It's the best, it's the best racing games that we put out since Dirt Rally came out at, like, an eighty. 85 Codemasters, which was a great game as well. I yeah, Codemasters, they're like their pedigree is racing, and this this game with the F1 license, like it's 
it's amazing. It's in the states, a lot of people don't don't know like how intricate, how deep F one is as a sport. Right. Like, there's so much involved in it, and like this game actually allows you to get into all those different intricacies. You were talking about the whole race weekend experience. Um, that's track acclimatization, uh, warming up the tires, doing a doing the warm up lap, uh, just setting up your tire strategy, like, you can do all that stuff, or if you don't give a shit about it, you can skip all of it. Yep. And you go right, do race go right into just... the, ra in yep. the race. Or yeah, you no. can simulate the race. Or, like, <laughs> it's, it's really cool because um, it allows you to customize your experience. And it, that's... Exactly. It reminds me, uh, back when I used to work on um, the MLB games, uh, MLB The Show, which oh, yeah. is the... Highest rating, highest rated sports franchise in seven years running right now. Mm -hmm. That's that's also a fantastic game, um, but you don't have time to play 163 baseball games for ten <laughs> for ten seasons in a row. Like I don't, I don't care who you are. No one has that time. Right. Exactly. Unless well, that's some people your do. Job. <laughs> Unless that's your job. So, like, it, yeah, if you're an MLB player, then you have time to play that many games. Exactly, right. But, uh, I mean, it's the same. It reminds me of the same thing, where you're, you need to put that much focus on detail and trading and uh, evaluate your offers to switch teams. Uh, so there's a lot of that involved in it, and it's just it's amazing seeing how many layers to the sport there are that we don't necessarily see as ignorant Americans. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, you nailed it on the head. And that, that's kind of the funny thing to go with it. But, I mean, it, what I'm even saying is Codemasters are the best at it. And, you know, you can, you know, the, the Gran Turismo is finally making its first next-gen uh, mm -hmm. game coming out later this year. Forza's had their, their uh, you know, their motorsport, uh, their, their core one, and then they have their Horizon series. They've done a couple yeah. of those, which are great, great games as well. But from a real like simulation standpoint, not just of the feel of the car and everything like that, but like you said, the experience of being a driver and experiencing the race, excuse me, weekend and being in the paddock and signing deals with your agent and where what team you're going to race for. It's, it's fucking it's spectacular. The fastest, it's the fastest and most technologically advanced sport on four wheels. Exactly. And, and I'm I mean, a huge fan. Yeah. <laughs> it, like it's. It's crazy, and the drama um, and, and the politics behind the scenes too is fucking. That's kind of what look, makes it fun too. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, these are people who like light their cigars with millions of dollars. So yeah. there, I mean, there's a lot of politics to it. But something about having that license um, and this being like the official game, it's like it's cool. Other other uh, games can have what look like F1 cars in them, but it's like it's like playing Madden compared to Blitz. Right, exactly. Like, it's like, cool. You know, I'd rather play as Haas Racing than, than the Pittsburgh Shellackers. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, you, don't have, you have no affiliation, you have no emotional attachment when they're not the real team. When, you, when you're playing the sport, you want to play the sport. So. Yep. No, I agree, especially knowing you're out there with 
the real deal and everything like that. And uh, the game's spectacular. I mean, the, the, the funny thing is I've only been using the controller because I wanted the master really? the game do a season with the controller. And I have a steering wheel. I got a great wheel and, and the pedals and everything like that. But I've just <laughs> been doing it with the controller first just to wrap my head and get comfortable with it. And the fact that I can actually feel the difference between the tire compounds and then when the tires start to degrade uh, throughout the laps and you're not putting up the same times in each sector and it's like geez this game is so fucking well crafted that the fact that i'm feeling this just using a controller is mm-hmm. mind-blowing and literally i the, the first two races i just had on medium just to get my hands uh dirty and i just ran away with it and then this one i put it up to hard and i still qualified on the pole and still did great but during nice. the race my strategy is actually what killed me i got uh, <laughs> I got. I was in like third place the whole race, and then on the final lap, I had a puncture, and I fucking dropped down the eighth. And oh like, man, just didn't time it right, and and yeah, I was putting down lower lap times and everything. It was, it, it's really cool how you have to manage all that stuff and everything. So little details there. So a big massive plug to F1 2016. So if you're a car enthusiast, um, you know if you're into anything like that, make sure you check out F1 2016 on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. I believe, right? Yeah. Yes, it's on those platforms. Uh, one of the cool things about it, uh, which is actually one of my favorite stories that we got to tell a lot because I was doing, I was out doing a PR tour for this not too long ago. Uh, this is the first time there's a time of day editor in the track, and, right. in the tracks, and one of the reasons why that's so cool is because this is a sports like it's a simulation game. This isn't an arcade game, right? And exactly. In order to simulate the sport. Why would you need do time of day editors on tracks? Because you always play the tracks at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only way you can see like uh, Singapore in the daytime is to play this game. And you can race night tracks during the day. You can't race all the day tracks at night because some of the tracks literally don't have lights on them. Yep. So they, they weren't given permission to alter the tracks, but you can... Uh, you can play them ways that you would never see them. And uh, this actually, because Baku in Azerbaijan is a brand new, it's a brand new circuit this year in the sport. Beautiful. Just absolutely insane too. It has the longest straights uh, of of any circuit. But one of the cool things is they had to build that in the game before it was done being built in real life. Yep. So some of the, actually two of the different teams uh, contacted uh, Codemasters, and they wanted it. They practiced on the game so that they can practice leading into the race, because there's no other way to play that that circuit because it didn't exist. Right. Uh, and actually, those two teams ended up placing second and fifth, the ones that practiced in the game. So that is so awesome. That, it's kind of cool. The power of it, man. That's crazy. Yeah, and like uh, all these teams pay millions of dollars and create their own simulations, like they're that are super, super high-end, mm-hmm. um, that are meant to realistically simulate the driving experience and, like, for their specific car. But, um, but yeah, it's it's amazing how, how finely tuned it is that it basically recreates a one-to-one experience on a track that, for real-life drivers of, of the sport. There you have it, folks. I mean, 
F1 2016, the best racing game out there. <laughs> I mean, I see. You, it wasn't just me plugging it last week yeah. and saying how fucking awesome it was. I actually got somebody who helped see the process through it, and you know, he's telling us stuff I didn't even know. So that's really, really cool to hear that F1 teams actually were in contact with them to utilize it to help them on the real track. Oh yeah, no, they're like that game is handcrafted with love. Like all the guys there, uh, all the guys at Codemasters are insane gearheads uh they go out they go out kart racing on all the weekends like they they are huge f1 fans themselves um one of the guys there is uh is an amateur um rally uh navigator like in his spare time so like they're they live and breathe motorsports so that's that's kind of the beautiful thing about that about them as a studio and you can definitely see that their passion coming through in the games they make so, bravo, Codemasters. You guys that's are the way it should awesome. be, man. Yeah, don't make something if you don't know or you aren't passionate about it, you know. But, hey, that's the way to do it. But quickly, well, before we get into the news, I want to give a few shout-outs here in the chat. What's up to OC Platinum, Call of Duty fan, Professor B, Huzzah, everybody tuning in. Thank you so much. Will, uh, Professor B had a question earlier. If you want to type it in, you could also say it verbally. What's your Twitter handle so people can follow you on Twitter? Uh, that's that's super simple. Uh, I am at Will J Powers. Uh, Will so, J Powers. There you go, yeah. everybody. And um, I know Hazar also chimed in there when we were talking about the length of games and everything like that. He said, we grow up and don't have the number of hours as we did as kids. I remember 100%ing Zelda o- Ocarina of Time, but me and my friend would play it from the end of school to bed all day and on the weekends. And yeah, man, I'm right there with you. I mean, those are times and experiences as you grow older you normally don't have back again and you know it's the nostalgia thing it's a beautiful thing but you know enjoy it while you can and when you do have the hours to crank into a game because boy do i miss some of that (laughs) but all right so thank you again but let's go into the news and we'll we'll brush through this pretty briefly and quickly i believe i think there's maybe just a couple topics that we might dive a bit deeper into so of course those of you in the chat make sure you uh chime in with your thoughts any questions you have as we go through um so first off uh games releasing this week i focus on just a handful there are many many more titles uh, across the board including indie digital only releases but um, here's some of the most notable ones, and obviously starting off with, in my opinion, the most notable one. Uh, it's Resident Evil 4. It's kind of the, the remastered version coming out on Xbox One and PS4, and I think PC. I didn't look that up. Um, but nonetheless, Resident Evil 4, as we know, very iconic game in the industry coming out. Um, I doubt I'll go back to play it, but I think it's if you haven't played it, um, it's definitely worth checking out, guys. It is spectacular. It is Resident Evil in its roots where I think, in my opinion, one of the best games of all time. Yeah, RE4 was the last, it was the last PS2 game. It was the last one on that gen, and it was, it was great. I mean, that, that's kind of like, stands for what the, what the franchise was um, for the longest time. Uh, Obviously, 5 took it and ran with it. I think 5 is probably mechanically my favorite game in the franchise. Just okay. because it was just it was gameplay was so tight on five, um, but like four, it learned everything it did from four, and right. yeah, four was just a beautiful, beautiful game. So it's uh, it's interesting, kind of how they're obviously they're releasing to build up hype uh, for the upcoming Resident Evil game. Yep, yep. Um, but it's the new Resident Evil so different. 
it's so so different than uh, than these ones that they're re-releasing. So yeah. it's uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, community community reaction. I feel like uh, Capcom are are listening to the community pretty uh, pretty stoutly uh, for this, and they're taking their feedback. And um, I really hope the new Resident Evil is good because that's because the the industry's been burned so many times with horror games. They just, <laughs> and just like, oh yeah. Over and over and over and over again, and I feel like it just like that's the one genre that I just feel bad for the fans. Every once in a while, they get like they get surprised and get a really good one, like Until Dawn. Oh, Until Dawn was freaking spectacular. That was an awesome right, game. but but no one thought that game was going to be good. No, it came out of left field. Yeah, exactly. No one, like even people that worked on it, no one thought that game was going to be good, and then it released, and they're like, "Oh my god, this game's amazing." Yep. No, so. it, 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 that and I, I, you know, you can also say with PT when PT came out of nowhere with Kojima and Del Toro, and, and, then, and then of course what happened to PT in the long run anyway. So yeah, the horror genre has seen it all, man. It's yeah, it's that's funny. A, I, that's the one genre. Like like I said, I just feel bad for those fans because they've they've been burnt. But I'm pretty sure fans of the horror genre they like it anyway. They're masochistic, so yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, very true, very true. But I mean, RE4. Go check it out if you've never played it before. It's spectacular. Now you got it on the ease uh, of use on places like PS4 and Xbox One. Um, mm-hmm. And while we're talking about the other new releases, uh, OC Platinum also just brought up a good point. The Battlefield 1 uh, beta will be starting soon. Uh, I remember seeing that. I don't have the dates or any of the info in front of me. But I believe, yeah, it's going into open beta this coming weekend. Uh, much like what we they just did with Titanfall, which the the stress mm-hmm. test that just happened there. Yep. So um, Yeah, looking forward to it. Horses, man. Horses Dude. are uh, horses are the new cars. Horses and tanks. I I give Battlefield and the guys at EA some major props for going into the World War One genre. I mean, regardless of how historically accurate you want to be, it's I think a very big risk in how you can do it right. But I think there's so much of this modern this and that futuristic shooter. This I I'm I'm looking forward to something different, and we'll we'll see when the game comes out how it actually pans out. But I think it looks awesome, and you know we'll, we'll see. Oh, I have complete faith in Dice that the game is going to be incredible, and like like to kind of echo what you said, uh, huge, huge uh, props to them for taking a leap of faith, um, because obviously, look at look at COD and uh, mm-hmm. and Battlefield. They're going in two completely different directions. You have advanced warfare, and you have World War One. Both both games look really great in their own right. Um, I feel like I'm getting it stoned. By the <laughs> by, the fans like you can't be a fan of Battlefield and Call of Duty. That's just wrong. But you're a fan of games. Like both games look really cool. I really like the the whole grappling hook mechanic of moving around in space and advanced warfare. I feel like that's super cool, and it's gonna breathe new life into that multiplayer. You're, you'll be able to do things that you haven't been able to do in previous, like in all the other modern warfare's, which all felt the same yep. to me. Like it's just it's something that's not rehashed and both teams whether it's Infinity Ward uh, or it's the guys over at DICE I feel like both teams are taking leaps in completely opposite directions but they're both leaps from what they're comfortable with which is really cool to see huge big teams and big franchises innovate like that's what's exciting to me exactly because I think it opens the doors for the future right and then what is that 
going to lead to down the line. And it, I mean, there was a lot of rumors that the, the Call of Duty this time around was supposed to, not supposed to, that everybody thought it was going to be uh, World at War Two, right? And yeah. then all of a sudden, Battlefield's like, no, we're not doing World War Two. we're doing uh, World War One, And then obviously, Infinite Warfare is doing the, uh, the, the, like, in the space combat and everything like that, which, to your point, it's scratching oh, sorry, the Infinite Warfare, not Advanced Warfare. Right. Yeah, it, Advanced was the last one, I think. Yeah, I'm getting them all screwed yeah. up, too. But it's it's literally on opposite sides of the spectrum. So that mm-hmm. if today you want to play this and tomorrow you want to play that, I mean, you can choose one over the other. It's not now, oh, I'm a Battlefield gamer, so I don't touch Call of Duty, or I'm a Call of Duty gamer. Because, yeah, when they're kind of going head-to-head head head with the style of gameplay and the, the genre they were in, but no, now it's it's pretty much polar opposites. And you can still make that argument, and people will. But uh, I think I'm. this is probably the first time I'm actually going to be playing both. I mean, just yeah. because from a time factor, but I have that much interest in both just from they're just different. And I really hope the, the, the single player is good in both because my, like, I'm really weird in the sense that I, I bought World, World at War because I was a huge 24 fan mm-hmm. and I wanted Keeper Sutherland to yell at me. I was like, man, <laughs> I'm going to have Jack Bauer, like, command me in World War II. This is awesome. Uh, and then, like, the... The Battlefield, like the Bad Company games, those are my favorite. Yeah, those so are like awesome. the single player from those studios is actually really good, um, even though like everyone loves them for the multiplayer. So, and that and that's a good point. And OC Platinum just asked the question: Is Battlefield One going to have a full campaign? And to my knowledge, it does. Correct? Yeah, uh, I I, I think believe they've so. It's too not too much about it, but it's I, not like 1942. It's not like Battlefield 1942. That's a strictly multiplayer game. Right. Yeah. It's, I believe uh, they're supposed to be full-fledged campaign. Yeah. It's a it's a full sixty dollars release. Boom. There it is. So that I mean that's what I'm probably most looking forward to doing at first because what their story would be in that in that time period. I think that could be very fun, very interesting. Um, Huzzah also goes in here and he brings in a little bit of Street Fighter Five news, um, which I'm not you know huge Street Fighter guy. So correct me if I pronounce this wrong, everybody. But it looks like Urian. Uran drops here pretty soon, next couple days. So if you're still playing Street Fighter, uh, big into the uh, the fighting circuits. Uh, looks like a new character is coming for you in Street Fighter. So thank you for that huzzah. Um, and then the other games releasing uh, this week are Attack on Titan, which I had no interest. I have no knowledge, so I'm completely ignorant to that. Um, so if you're into anime and you're a big Attack on Titan fan, maybe the game's for you. I don't know. Um, and then we talked a little bit earlier about The Witcher 3. Well, now they got the complete edition coming with all the DLC packed in, all the goodness of what the game, uh, you know, just continued to add to if you could really take any more. <laughs> so, yeah. some if you good have games. 400 free hours, then The Witcher Complete Edition will complete your life. Yeah, if, if that's what you do, then more power to you because I wish I could do some of that because I need time. <laughs> I just need time. I need time. I don't need to sleep. Who needs sleep? Um, his also says attack on Titan anime was cool, but not sure that it will translate to a game. I briefly just saw the trailer and some of the gameplay and I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm watching. So turn the page, but you know, people love the attack on Titan. I know it's a yeah, massive, I mean, massive it'll, following. It'll sell. It's a strong IP. Um, I'm pretty sure <laughs> it's, I'm pretty sure it's Namco Bandai. Uh, uh yes. I, ooh, actually, I don't that. know. I want to say it's Namco Bandai. It would make sense. Um, uh, but yeah, it'll, it'll sell. I know absolutely nothing about the game other than it's a licensed game. Um, I think the gameplay is pretty good. 
from like the snippets I've seen, but um, <laughs> based on platinum all, says big naked yeah, big dudes naked running dudes around. <laughs> that, that's Attack on Titan, basically. Uh, yeah. So if you're into Yaoi, then that's the game for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And Hizah is coming out with all the, the news tonight, so kudos to you, Hizah. But yeah, uh, God Eater 2 and Rage Burst. Uh, I know for a fact God, God Eater 2 was on the new release list for this week. Uh, Rage Burst, I don't know too much about. But yeah, God Eater's got a pretty big following, actually, so I probably should have thrown it on that list. Um, I haven't played it myself, personally, um, but I know for a fact there was a lot of uh, you know banter and people talking about that online. I have not seen reviews. I've been so disconnected i did not go to the office today i have not been able to do a lot of my regular reading because of the damn dryer situation going on at my house so of course if you want to hit that tip button below and help me out <laughs> uh shameless plug but anything else there from a games perspective that it's coming out that you know of that i did not have on there will uh no i mean that's we basically covered off on a lot of it uh summer's the dry period uh for games in general um, it's yeah, it's exactly. kind of the summer. It's an entertainment drought. Uh, basically, it stretches at least in games. It stretches from E3 all the way to Madden. Exactly. Uh, which God Madden was? It was last week. Last week. Yeah. Yep. We had last so, week with the uh, Deus Ex Day and Date. Yep. So I mean that's that's basically the summer drought. E3 to Madden. Yep. Every single year, maybe like two or three releases happen during that time frame, but uh, because the huge majority of your audience, your um, your 18 to 24 year old audience, um, is on summer vacation. They're traveling around. They're not at home. It means they're not spending money on games. Yep. So it's actually it's not. It wouldn't behoove anyone to actually release a big title during that window if you can help it, because you're you're losing you're losing that audience on day one. But I do, I do love it when there are the random exceptions that kind of put their foot down and do it. I believe probably the most notable one in recent history was Batman uh, last year, right? Wasn't it June or July? I guarantee, yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was June. I guarantee you that that was not on purpose. No, no, I know for a fact that yeah. it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's see, that's the thing is that. No one releases during that window. That's like the, the doldrums. You avoid it at all costs uh, unless, yeah, unless you can't help it. It's like, well, either release now or we're into October, November with the Call of Duties and the Battlefields, and then we're just screwed. Yep. No, I agree. I think it's... It, but it's funny is because it's a double-edged sword where it's like, People like me and you, and we're talking right here. It's a drought. It's like, holy shit, Batman's coming out. No shit, I'm going to go buy it. My backlog, I've been able to, I have time. Yeah, time, you know, people are busy with vacation, like you said. But it's, the in, in gaming world, there's time because you're not, have this huge stack of, well, Madden and Deus Ex both released on, on the same day. And then in a week, there's going to be, in two weeks, there's going to be like the Destiny DLC drop. And then uh, Fallout mm -hmm. 4 Nuka World DLC just came out, like Hazza said. And then there's, boom, then you get into the holiday and it's literally everything from the sports games, which started with Madden, to all the big hitters like Battlefield, Titanfall, Call of Duty, everything we've just talked about. So and then you know first party stuff, Gears of War, Gran Turismo. It's Final Final Fantasy. Final like Fantasy. This, <laughs> exactly. I mean, those these are all games like uh, whether they're multiplayer or single player. Like Final Fantasy is going to be at least a sixty eight hour game. Mm -hmm. uh, the Call of Duty and Battlefields that's going to be at least a hundred hours with multiplayer for each of those. Like for those big fans, these are 
huge, huge time suck games that are competing against each other. Even though they're not like competing genres, you got to think that they're competing for the same dollars in your wallet. And that's exactly. that's real tough because whenever whenever you think about it, the average the average gamer who's obviously not going to be the super super hardcore, they spend what like they buy two, three, maybe four games a year. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at like basically two hundred bucks that they're going to spend over the course of a year. God, then in October November this year, there's easily three hundred bucks worth of games. That yep. are like really, really solid games that you can't really argue with. Yeah, if you like this, you should probably buy it. No, it, so it, that's, it's such that's a tough. fun balancing act, man, just to really see it. I know you know that very well, as as do I. And, you know, it, it's so many things, whether it's, you know, you want to avoid these seasons because it's a slow time for gaming and no one's going to be buying games, but you want to avoid this time because there's too many games and you don't want to be like Tomb Raider was last year and release on the same day as Fallout. And it's like, do you set yourself out to die or do you set yourself out to die in some, you know, titles, unfortunate, they really have no choice or they slip like Batman. It's a weird thing. You have to pick your poison. Um, that's like a lot of a lot of just gamers out there don't understand that. I mean, these release dates are set like yep. nine months in advance. Before you don't know what the competitive landscape is during that time. You're like, oh, that looks pretty open at that at this point, and then boom, Fallout Four announces four months before it releases and picks your same release day. Yeah. Wow. Just like, oh crap. Yeah. It's like, like, what oh, do we do? Well, we're fucked. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> just like proper fucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so, but I mean, it's it's telling. So you know, everybody out there, support support your favorite game. Support whatever they are, and you know, don't always just fall into the media hype. And you know, I I think gamers are a bit more frugal, and I think they understand that where they might wait on day one to go watch a YouTube video. They might yeah. watch a Twitch stream. They might wait to see the Metacritic, which for better for worse don't always just solely focus on the metacritic we talked about this on a previous episode know what you're into and follow the people that you trust whether it be me whether it be will whether it be anybody you know go see them play the game go see them do a let's play go uh listen to a podcast and get people that you trust and their impressions in the style of game you play and go pick it up as simple as that so you're uh, exactly right i mean that's they're like let's just call them tastemakers <laughs> there are there are people that I trust with certain things. Like in, in your friend circle, you have that one dude that always knows the best restaurant in town. Would I trust him with a movie recommendation? Hell no. Right. But he knows, he know, if I need to go to a restaurant, I ask that guy. Same with games. Like think about it. Like, okay, well, if there's an RPG coming out, I talk to my RPG buddy. If there's a sports game coming out, I talk to my sports buddy. If there's a shooter coming out, I talk, I talk to the shooter guy like and ask their take on it. Or like from a media standpoint, there are certain journalists that I trust with certain genres because they share an opinion that's close to my close to my own. And yep. they like they like similar games and have reacted to them similarly to how how I do. So you you always have to take that with a grain of salt. Don't don't just look at the numbers, like read the reviews. Totally. If if someone says like well, the graphics are bad, but the gameplay is really great. Well, I don't give a shit about graphics. Okay, the gameplay is great. I'm gonna I'm gonna check out that game. 
Exactly. And, and that's where, unfortunately, you know, so many people migrate directly to Metacritic or they'll go to an IGN or a GameSpot or a Polygon and just scroll to the bottom and look at the, the score. And they won't, I mean, look, they won't read into what this person's actual thoughts are, which at the end of the day is just someone's opinion. It's just one person with a host of many others there that might have very different opinions on the game. You know the, you know the best thing to do if you're doing that? It's, uh, I mean, because I do the same thing. Like I, I oh, yeah, we're all like, guilty of it. I have to read, like, 50 reviews in one day on the launch day. So <laughs> the fastest way, fastest way to get, like, a snippet of, uh, of that is to read the last paragraph. Yep. I mean, the last paragraph... If they're an editor that's worth their salt, is going to be a synopsis of everything they've just written. So if you want just a quick recap of what that is, what they're talking about, and give a baseline of why they gave it that score, just read the last paragraph. If you want to know more, then there's a whole review of there just waiting for you to dive into it. Excellent at, point. At least then you're giving that writer that spent a lot of time doing that, writing the review, at least you're reading something you wrote other than a, a number. Exactly. And most, they spend and a lot of time, time doing those too. Give them credit. Most of the time, this is going to be the bullshit thing, Kyle. Most of the time, the editor that writes the review isn't the person that assigns the score. That's true. That is very true. Because their editor reads it, and based on that, how they they felt and how it comes across, then they assign you the score. For the most yeah. part, that's actually true. <laughs> I mean, it, it, a little-known secret, right? And it's the world that, and it's not just games. You can get into every type of genre of anything to mm-hmm. weigh critics and how you want to, uh, you know, peel back the, the the covers to see what actually is going on and how it got to that point. And, you know, it's better for worse. You know, people get on Rotten Tomato, look at uh, movie reviews and think, oh, God, it's got a 42. And it's like, well, if you're interested in the movie, go see it. For God's sakes, like if you're gonna be into it, if you're gonna be into this game, check it out. Find someone that you know that you trust, whether it be a fan page de- dedicated to Final Fantasy, something like that. Get someone's true, hardcore, in-depth analysis if mm-hmm. if you really wanted to go that route. Um, so one nails one, it with Final Fantasy, you know, the Final Fantasy VII remake being episodic, and we're talking about games slipping and not being anything. That's a game. I who knows whenever the fuck that will come. Like like the. Oh God! What am I thinking of? Uh, Kingdom Hearts three. <laughs> I don't know. That's yeah, a sum- that's mean, a summer release because it'll come out of nowhere. <laughs> it, it'll it'll come out of nowhere in twelve years. But, <laughs> I mean one one cool way to look at it, at, and you were you were touching on it right there you know, for a little bit, Kyle. You were talking about movies and everything. Uh, games are they're uh, they're entertainment. Like they're just like movies, just like TV. They're entertainment. So one way that I've started looking at it is look at it at a value value per hour. Like if I go see a movie in a theater, it's like it's like twenty bucks, right? Yep. So twenty bucks for two hours, that's a ten dollar an hour experience. If I go buy a game for sixty bucks and I get six really, really, really quality hours of entertainment out of it, that's on par with me with me spending that money in a movie. If I buy a $20 game and I get more than two really... And these aren't just, like, grinding, not having fun. These are, like, super quality hours of entertainment. If I get more than two hours, then I get my money's worth. Anything over that is just gravy on top. So 
if you're comparing entertainment to entertainment, you have to compare like for like, because the games that give you 400 hours of entertainment for 60 bucks, God, you're, you're way underpaying for what you're getting. The Witcher is a great example. That game is yeah. fucking huge. But, they could have split that up into a like a Destiny style of game, right? Where, yeah, it doesn't fit that mantra of the way in massively multiplayer online and everything like that. But mm -hmm. you literally could have taken such a snippet of the game and then six months later, another half of it comes out and another little bit. And yeah, I mean, you can argue they did do that with the DLC and Blood and Wine and everything like that. But it's just like that literally, that game could have been split up into four separate games. It's like huge. they could have milked the shit out of it if they really wanted to. Mm -hmm. But that's why I absolutely love the guys from CD Projekt Red. It's the little touches too, where you open the game disc. And that was when I got physical when it did come out. And there's a, there's a letter in there from the, the studio saying, thank you so much for supporting us and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, wow, it's, it's little things like that. And wasn't all their uh, DLC free except for the major expansions? Except for all the small DLC, yeah, yeah. Was, uh, was free. The expansions are, are paid. But, I mean, when you look at it like They're you're talking it. about it, that, like, these ex how big the base game is, like, it's, I have no problem giving them money. No, like, cause God, take more. <laughs> it's, it's like, uh, I mean, it's like Rocket League for me. Oh, I got nice. Rocket, I got Rocket League for free on PS Plus. Granted, I pay for PS Plus, so it, I'm sure it cost me something. But I got the game for free. I have, I'm gonna just ballpark like three to four hundred hours in Rocket League. Mm -hmm. Just like I played only Rocket League and Destiny for months on end. I think that was a lot of people. <laughs> it yeah. sounds familiar. So I, I mean, and then when they started releasing DLC, I didn't even care what it was. Yep. I had spent so much time in that game that I wanted to support the developer. Yep. And, it, like, it's just... I mean, I don't know if that's just me working in the industry, that, just, that I, like, read articles about how they lost money because of their server costs and how popular the game was, that they ended up losing money on the PlayStation Plus deal or what have you, but I was, I was like, God, I've spent so much time and had such a good time playing this game. Here, have $3.00. I'd, you'll you'll use it better than I will anyway. So. Yeah. And, and you know what? You, you say you wonder if that's like an industry thing. And, you know, I do the exact same thing. You know, uh, Rocket League's a great example. Um, Shadow of Mordor, uh, when that came out, which I was not really hyped for. I saw it at E3. It looked really cool. But I was like, it's surrounded by a million other things. But then right. when the reviews were coming out and they were all nines and aboves and I start watching gameplay and I'm hearing people talk about it, I'm like, holy shit, okay, I'm going to pick this up. Next thing you know, I fell in love with that game, dedicated everything to it. So, yeah, I went out and bought DLC. I bought the expansions and it was like, this is mm -hmm. worth supporting because these guys made gave me that that feel inside that like I was like, this is a fucking good game. This hooked me to where I, I love it. And the smaller games are a great example, like you said, with uh, with Rocket League and... Oh, God, what else? I mean, even Drive Club. I mean, the mm -hmm. guys there with Drive Club, I think that game just went through hell and it unfortunately really killed it in the end just from negative optics and everything that went through the, the game getting delayed and then the servers being broken upon release and whatnot. But I loved the shit out of the game. I thought it was still one of the most beautiful games out there. And, yeah, I bought the, the, the expansion packs and the extra cars, and it's like I can spend 4 bucks here, little things like that, and... You can give examples all over the board, but it's like 
I think the the nature of the story is support the games you love, man. <laughs> no matter how big or how small. They yeah, I mean that's 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 what it boils down to. Like it's it's an industry. Um, it's a business. It is a business. Uh, yeah. as, and if you like something, like it's just like supporting your your local restaurants or supporting like that. If you like something, spend spend some money there because if you don't, then it might not be there when you actually want to down the line. Exactly, and and it's I think Rocket Lead's probably the most notable example of people did realize that and yeah they got it for free with playstation plus you know and it came out to other platforms uh, later on but the amount of money they made down the line because people would gladly spend three dollars here five dollars there so kudos to people that do that and supporting great great hard work and you know it also is telling you got to have a good product right right so. well kind of i mean rocket league kind I, of yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about that one for a little bit just to dive into a little bit more the Rocket League is a really interesting story because I don't know how familiar you are with Psionics down in San Diego and what they've done in the past. Obviously, before Rocket League, they did supersonic acrobatic rocket power battle cars. Um, <laughs> Which I can't say. <laughs> well, and I love how I preface that with obviously they did this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they did supersonic acrobatic rocket power battle cars. That was a PS3 exclusive. Um, it was basically Rocket League. It's the exact same game. It also had a PS Plus deal, but PS3 didn't do internet well. Right. So the game did not take off because imagine Rocket League without the online, like without online functioning. Right. Like that game's not good. I'm sorry. Like the, the online makes the game because you don't play that game by yourself. It's not fun. So they did that. They also did a free-to-play arena shooter called Nosgoth, which is was vampires versus um, humans that was published by Square Enix. Interesting. Um, that game servers, the servers just got, I think they bought Square Share and they own it internally now. But like it, like they've done a lot of stuff, uh, good products that just haven't taken off. And this one just went through the roof. So huge, huge props, huge respect to those guys for sticking with it, like at release after release, and finally, finally carving their name out on the map, because I guarantee one out of a thousand people could tell you anything made by Psionics before Rocket League. No, and I, that's the truth. That is In the industry, one out of a thousand. Like, not just yeah. throwing one on the street. No, so. you got me stumped there. I, I knew about the... Supersonic, but I can't say it because I'm an idiot. Yeah, but I knew of it, never played it, never gave it two shits. Is that you wrong probably, on my end? But... You probably owned it from PlayStation Plus and never played it. Yeah, no, I guarantee because that was back in the day where we would just download every single thing that came out on Plus. Yep. So, I mean, and, that's, yeah. and that's actually what I did with Rocket League as well until someone was like, you need to play this game. And I heard that from two or three different people hopped, on, hopped in it and was just blown away. Yep. No, it's the truth. And luckily, fortunately for me, it was when it did the beta. I think it was the beta. And certain people started talking about it. And my brother uh, was talking about it and is trending well on Reddit. And a lot of people talking about it. I'm like, mm -hmm. it doesn't sound fun. It just, what? It's Why are all these people hyped on it? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's going to be a big competitive eSport game. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And sure enough, came out. 
I think it was Derek OC Platinum that was over at my house. Next thing you know, we're pounding back drinks and we're having a fucking blast playing that game. I'd never even heard of it before it was free on Plus. Like, I just missed all the publicity for it completely. And it just, I downloaded it and it's like, ah, what's this? And I think so, that shows the power of Plus or Games with Gold. Yeah, no, it was great. Like, kudos to everyone involved in making that deal happen. That was probably a Nick Sutner special. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> RIP Nick Sutner, no longer at Sony. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's, uh, there's so many people behind the scenes that make these things happen that no one even knows about. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that was, got him. So I'm so glad that one happened. That was, that was a good deal. <laughs> 100% agreed. So, all right, so let's move on a little bit more with the news. And, uh, mm-hmm. of course, again, keep, guys, keep chatting in there. Just type it in there if you got to say what you got to do. Or That made no fucking sense. I was trying to read something and say something else, and I, it's clearly late. Anyway, say your thoughts on anything else in the news as we continue to go. We'll make sure we shout it out and all that good stuff. Um, I think we'll skip over that next one. But you know what? Well, I guess it's kind of relevant. It's a kind of a good segue to everything we were just talking about and supporting things, and uh, mm-hmm. we don't have to go too deep into it. But uh, No Man's Sky, so a game that was very well hyped. I know a lot of my audience and Casey Lounge, who popped in, in here earlier, um, a lot of people were really interested in No Man's Sky, um, whether you like it or not. Uh, you know, a lot of people were wanting to get refunds on Steam or PlayStation Network. Um, some were granted, some were not. Um, and we've heard a lot about these weird policies, specifically with Steam, with uh, releases such as The Witness or Firewatch and stuff like that. And, you know, the question that comes out is, do they deserve, do, do consumers deserve to get their money back if, quote unquote, a game is not broken? And the, the, the definition of broken can be pretty widespread. And is it right or is it wrong? Are you seriously screwing the developer or the publisher? I want to know your thoughts on that a little bit, Will. Yeah, I mean, that's it's a real tough... It's a tough question. Um, obviously, I'm super biased because I work for a publisher. Um, <laughs> like, it's... I mean, it, you got to think about it. Like, But I think rah. that's furthering to the point, right? It is well, your a, livelihood. It's your business. Right. So you got you to gotta look at it like that. And I think single-player games are unfairly targeted by a lot of these practices. Definitely. Um, whether they're game trade-ins or... I mean, that trade-ins are one thing, but full refunds are a complete, completely different thing. Right. So, like, trade-ins, they still retain... Uh, that still counts as a sale. It, rate, it retains some of its value. It's not a hundred percent refund to the customer, um, but ret- returns, which is what we're talking about here, negates the original sale. That's right. that's completely different, um, and that's that's a dangerous, dangerous and slippery slope because negating the original sale, especially on a sh- I'm not going to say uh, No Man's Sky is a short experience because it's really not. But on a single-player experience where you can go through it, go through it like in a weekend in, and not dump too many hours into it, that's, like, that's a slippery slope. Look at shorter games like um, uh, Everyone's Gone to the Rapture mm-hmm. uh, or... Uh, disappearance, disappearance of Edith Finch, or like, um, 
yeah, her story, things like that. Those games, like even Journey, you can beat those games in under the Steam allocated amount of time, yep. which is like spending spending two hours in the end. You can beat it in under that, and if you want to, do a full refund on it. Yep. And to me, that's bullshit. If you play a game to completion, then you shouldn't be able to get your money back. Like it, it, You shouldn't be buying those. these types of games. I mean, we, we call them games, but Journey's a great example, and some of these other games are great examples. You know, the drawing the lines of what we classify a game, a video game, versus mm-hmm. an experience. And, you know, I, I know Brian in here and, and, and might me, and I don't know about you, Will, but, like, Journey had a powerful effect on many, many people, whether you love it or hate it. The reviews stand for itself, and different for everybody. That's part of the beauty of the game. Mm-hmm. But just because I'm Joe Schmo and I'm expecting this minimum 10-hour experience and it needs to be so blah, 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 it's, does that mean you deserve your money back? It says, no, that means you didn't do your research ahead of time to understand what you were getting into. You want to know what get what got me into reading blogs and like reading about game reviews? I didn't even know game reviews were a thing until this happened. Hmm. I spent sixty dollars on Sonic two thousand six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, holy crap! Yeah, that that single act made me discover the video game industry. <laughs> just <laughs> it, I think actually a lot of people might relate to that. That's pretty yeah, funny. Uh, like I spent a full price on that game, and it was like this game is so bad. There's there why why didn't I know this? Why did I waste my money on this? And I didn't ask for my money back. Like you can't you can't do that. That's you own that mistake because I was the idiot. I was the idiot in not doing my research before I bought something. Right. I mean, you can compare that to many other things in life, right? Whether big or small, it's not just yeah. that simple. And his all I mean gets in the chat and says, you yeah. know, refund should only be given if you've uh, played less than five hours well i'm gonna argue against that where you can argue major amazing critically acclaimed games like journey like um oh gone home and you know other stuff recently that you mentioned will papers please or something yeah it's by no means if you beat that game in an hour and a half two hours should you have to refund it is it because i finished it i enjoyed it but you know what i'm gonna re- i'm gonna take advantage of the system and refund it is essentially what it is and it, the, the you know people should know going in to no man's sky is kind of what we reference to is i really enjoy the game i understand also why a lot of people don't because it's not for everybody like minecraft it's not was, for everybody it's, was their marketing necessarily accurate for what the game was e- e- yes <laughs> see i see that's the real gray area um, I, uh, where, 100%, 100% I one hundred percent, one hundred percent is deceiving what, a little bit. That's what makes this a tough topic, uh, because for this game specifically, I feel like it was a little inaccurate. It, yes, it, and it just hype in proportions way, way too much for right, a game that's what it is is essentially a. I don't know. What, what would you classify it? I mean, it's a grinding, slow, it's, mellow it's a, experience. 
it's a procedurally generated universe simulator. There you go. It's I mean, like go at your own pace. Like it's it's basically uh, you're old enough and you've been around long enough. You know, you remember folding at home or life with PlayStation? Oh, of course. I spent many hours with that thing on. <laughs> Imagine that if you could control it. <laughs> okay. That's basically No Man's Sky to me. Like oh, it's man. just that's like deep it, roots right there, man. Holy shit. So, like, but it's, you have your stats on the side, yep. you're gaining, like, you choose it, to, like, it felt like that to me, where it's like, if I could control holding at home or life with PlayStation, like, and had a little bit of control over what was happening here, then that basically felt like, it felt like uh, the same experience to me, as dumb as that is. And... I think that's completely valid, and, and and you know people in the chat are agreeing with you where the marketing was deceptive, and I will one hundred percent agree it was whether they're you know claiming multiplayer aspects to it that weren't actually there, which I don't necessarily remember them talking multiplayer beyond the fact of hey I claim this planet it's probably damn near impossible someone else is ever going to find it, he, but he it's said it on way. he said it on Fallon oh okay. Fallon asked Fallon asked him. Like point blank, can I play with other people in this game? Ah. And, he said, and he said yes. Got it. Well, then that was definitely a, a big fuck up, <laughs> and I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, and that's and that's tough because but that happens, right? Yeah, but that's me and like, you, what we do, we know that left and right. Well, it's honestly, I don't know the whole story, so I'm not gonna pretend like, oh, you fucked up because I don't know what happened. Honestly, that might have been, uh, that might have been in the game, and it got taken out. Yeah, that true. very true. And in that case, he wasn't lying. That wasn't the game. It got it's on the cutting room floor now. That, like that's it's very true. There are scenarios where we don't need to villainize people when we don't understand what happened. Um, but regardless, there like people people feel felt deceived, and I'm not trying to say no. You shouldn't feel deceived because. Who am I to tell you what you should or shouldn't feel? If you feel that way, then something's caused you to feel that way. Right. Um, so in in this case, I feel I feel like there's uh, they they could have been more open with what the game was. Yeah, I think they should have just shown it off like directly. It doesn't need to be a pre-canned trailer. It would maybe I don't know, Twitch streams on the official PlayStation <laughs> channel or yeah, Hello the, Games. The I mean. Hype. It's the hard. hype was just like I think the hype was too big for what the game actually was. Uh, exactly, and that was and actually our topic it, last week. It was yeah. does hype and you know uh, expectations of games actually hurt them? And my answer is one hundred percent yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, it it does, and that's that's a real hard thing to manage, especially imagine, God, imagine oh. if you're Sony, you know <laughs> you know what the game is, you know that you can't live up to that hype. Do you show it off and kill your own hype for your game? Hell no. Exactly. You still got to like, sell I mean, it. You still have to sell it. I mean, you, but the, it's a real, it's a balancing act where you can't betray consumer trust. Right. Even, and that's, what, that's what a I real find tough thing. Very interesting about it, though. And I, I know uh, Professor B chimes in and says they may have a false advertising lawsuit coming against them soon, which. You know, we can touch on that in a second, but my thing is when they did some of these behind closed door preview events, 
and you had quote unquote influencers, content creators, critics, um, Mm -hmm. members of the media go to these things. Most of them, when I say most, I'm not even truly remembering a negative person talking about it where they come out maybe a little critical and, you know, skeptical, but most of it was positive once they were like, yes, this is how combat works. This is how collecting things work. This, this is what it is with a hyperdrive. And it was like, People that played this thing ahead of time seemed quite sold and very hyped on it themselves. So are we to blame as well? I mean, that's what concerns me is you can watch a trailer and say Sony said this or Hello Games said that, but people played it too. I mean, I I know preview events are very... This game game was super controlled. Like super, super, super controlled. Um, And this, if you you read back... um, this also had a development cycle from hell, too. This has been in development for a super long time. Uh, the studio flooded, their servers flooded, yeah. and they lost yeah. all their work midway through development. Like, this was, through no fault of their own, God, I'm surprised this game actually shipped. <laughs> yeah, like, especially from is, the studio that it was. Yeah, it's a Hello Games. They've, yeah. they've shipped, what, Joe Danger and Joe Danger the movie? Exactly. Like, Which they've was... done... They've done side-scrolling skateboarding games. Granted, they're fucking amazing skateboarding <laughs> games. Yeah. Uh, my, but, like, my favorite interview I ever sat in on was um, right after uh, No Man's Sky was announced. And uh, I forget who it was. Someone asked the guys from Hello Games uh, one of my favorite questions I've ever heard. Uh how much, it's like, you know, they had the same conversation we just had. You guys have worked on Joe Danger and Joe Danger 2. Yeah. <laughs> how much of your code, how much of your, what you've created for those two games is going to be able to translate into No Man's Sky? That's... It was like a really interesting it, it yeah, really question. Yeah, it's actually very interesting, yeah. And actually quite a bit. Which really? is, yeah, which is real like a lot of the back end stuff uh-huh. of of mostly procedural generation stuff is and how like actually comes from Joe Danger, hmm. which right. is super cool to me. Right, if, from a techno technical as- aspect and what the game is and what it does and how big it is, it yeah, it's telling. That's cool. Like you know. yeah, and that's a story that like I love. I love hearing about stuff like that. Um, so it's so for me, like No Man's Sky is really a triumph tale of oh my god, this game never should have been made. How the hell did it actually get released? Right. And holy crap, for the size of the studio that did this, this this is amazing. Um, to oh my god, there's all this drama around it because people were expecting one thing and they, they got delivered another. I mean, there's fault on both sides there. People should have yes. done their research more. Um, but people they should have also been a little bit more forthcoming uh, with what the game actually was. So there's there's fault on both sides. But um, in the end, like that game came out and it's shocking that the game actually exists from yeah. an industry standpoint. Yeah, especially... The fact that it has shipped that 
the date that it is. It, it could have been a Final Fantasy Last Guardian type of story, right? Where it just never comes Which, to be, and then it, then it does. Been, that should have been like another Kingdom Hearts three. Yep. Like, yep. cool. We'll see this game whenever. Yep. All right. Which is uh, like the yeah, like you said, the fact that this game came out and when it when it came out is just is just amazing. Yeah, and you know, to quickly chime into the audience tuning in, you know, L seven, you know, asked which had bigger hype and letdown, Pokemon Go or No Man's Sky. I mean, I think that's not really comparable. I think Pokemon Go was. I don't think the hype was that good for it. I think a lot of people were just like, oh, it's you know, mobile game that Nintendo's Nintendo right now. Like, there's not really a lot of positive going for that, and then it came out and it blew up. Now. It's a mobile game, and a lot of it dropped off, and it was a, a cultural phenomenon, and kudos to them, and it did very well. But, you know, I don't think it's really fair to compare the two in that regard. I think No Man's Sky was hyped to the level of core gaming is supposed to be taking things into this whole new, like, step forward or anything like that. And, you know, unfortunately, whether it is advertising or whether it's people's lack of patience or waiting or wanting to see, you know, it... I don't know. I, I, I personally don't think people should be able to get refunds on something. It's not that you came home and your TV did not turn on. It's yeah. literally you don't like it. Does that mean the now game, like you get to just toss it away? I it, The game I functions know. as advertised. Like if that's if that's the case, then yeah, you, I don't think you should get you should get a refund on it. The thing that is pro- is the one case is this a lot of people came in expecting a AAA gaming experience at No Man's Sky, and that is not what the game is. Yep, yep. It's it just that that is not like SimCity or Spore or <laughs> or like Destiny. Like it's not it's not Destiny in the universe. No, like that's and I feel like a lot of people were expecting that. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, especially multiplayer aspects, combat. It, I, I don't know. I knew what it was going in, but you know, I was very keen on keeping my eyes to it, and and I really was for a long time not sure what I was going to do. But it, you know, we talked about these games where we got to dedicate three or four hours per playtime. This mm-hmm. is the opposite. I enjoyed laying in bed and playing this for twenty, thirty minutes. It's this kind is, of it's it's weird. I don't play games like that that very often. This is stress reliever. The game. Exactly. Which is weird that people want a refund on the stress reliever. <laughs> but like you know this. Thing. But you know, chatting with Matt and Brian yesterday, they they were like, and those are people that are trying to return the game. Which shame on you. <laughs> hey, my opinion. But yeah. it, but they also brought up a point. They said if this game was nineteen ninety nine or twenty nine ninety nine, it might have been a different story. Granted, like, like, so I knew that this game was retail for a long time. Like, right. Uh, I was, like, even, like, two weeks before release, I was shocked to find out it was $60. Yeah, that I, I kind of was, too. I, I, I Especially mean, when you see well, games with uh, uh, Ratchet & Clank or The Witness, $40. You're seeing more experimentation in that price point. That's what I was, I was expecting. Um, but, I mean, from a business standpoint, when you see hype like that, like, that's... They just, they see they see that and they see potential, right. so like you can't you can't blame you can't blame anyone on this like people should have done their research, and was, uh, this is yeah it's guilty of its own hype I, and 
I think people love to bring stuff up, hype it all up, and then they automatically shoot it down. I think the the mass crowds of internet hate choose to focus on something and they will attack it just simply because that's just the nature of it. Um, and quickly, shout out. Thank you, May, for being here. One of our wonderful mods. May, you are awesome. Thank you for being here this evening. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think we could literally dedicate many yeah. hours just completely talking I just want to circle back on that real quickly. I feel like people are missing an opportunity here. Uh, this could be, and this is, I don't want to do a one-to-one -one parallel. This could be the Sonic 2006 experience that I had for a lot of people. It, completely fair. I think that's completely understandable. Not, yeah. And that is not to say that this is another Sonic 2006 because this is a way better game than that kid that was. <laughs> that was... That was a heaping turd. Putting it lightly, man. That <laughs> yeah, that is that is literally one of the worst games ever printed on a disc. Like yeah. it is, it is really bad. Uh, but people are missing the opportunity here of learning from this, and instead just saying, "Ah, oh, I, I, it's your fault." They're so quick to shift blame. I feel like if they they could see it and be like, "Oh, well." Maybe I should do some a lot of research before I spend sixty dollars next time. Yeah, yeah, you yep. probably should. Exactly. That's, and then you'll buy a really, really good game that you want and that you'll play and that'll be worth it to you. And then that you'll be talking about a year from now. Exactly. So, I don't know. All right, I'm I'm done. I'm getting off my soapbox on that one. <laughs> hey, I mean, I think that's a very interesting topic. The other thing to really go along with your point is. Those people that are saying that, they also need to stop and realize that maybe there are people that are enjoying this and that there are people that wanted to, to have this type of experience. And they did, maybe they did the research or maybe they got lucky. But, you know, the point is I streamed it the second right. it came out and I made a Let's Play and posted it on YouTube. And I know people that went out and bought the game based on my recommendation and watching it. So, mm -hmm. I mean, whether you want to hear my recommendation or not, you get to watch the gameplay. It was like two and a half hours. It was almost three hours of gameplay. So you saw what really the core mechanic was. And I was high on it, and I loved it because I enjoy that discoverability and just something different. I just kind of wanted something different. And, you know, I think it's an easy game to, to float around and have the, the chat up and being able to engage with people. And they'll be like, oh, name it this or fly over there. It's, there's pros and cons. So... But in today's day and age where you have so many resources at your disposal from the internet, videos, Twitch, YouTube, gaming websites, fan pages, you don't need to pre-order a game day one. You can literally buy it the next day. Do your research. I mean, you know, and back to where it is. It is a business. They're going to sell you on it. There is advertising. There's stuff to do that. But you be your own filter. Yeah. I, should, yeah, um, I also be careful saying that. It's just like I was like, go buy games, but you know, I mean, well, it's. I mean, it's it's interesting. I I, I want to chime in on that for a second, just because I don't I don't feel like a lot of people understand why pre-orders are important. No, no, they don't. No, they, like it's because no one takes the time to educate anyone on, right. on that. Uh, so, so pre-orders are not just so that so that uh, Peter Moore can pad his wallet. Like that's, <laughs> I feel like that's what a lot of people think. Right. Uh, they're, they're just like, man, that's just so those industry fat cats can just have, have a bunch of money. No, pre-orders are super important because 
that is that's basically one of the only tangible analytics that retailers have yep. to uh, to figure out how much product they're going to buy day one. Exactly. So uh, if you don't, if you like a game, or if you're interested in the concept of a game, like yeah, put down five bucks towards it. Yep. Yep. If, and it, it, it's, it's a it's a slippery slope though. What's it's funny is, yeah, the retail ones pretty simple whether you know any retailer you go put five bucks down you hold yourself a copy like you said then they ship more to that location or to the retailer so then Mm -hmm. you know there's more for walk-ups but the thing is also the the flip side of it the digital pre-orders where more people are now shifting to the digital space of buying games digitally but you pre-order a game there's no well you don't that's not pre-order. That's pre-purchase right and that's the the that's a big difference yeah exactly so, and the FCC has particular regulations on pre-purchasing, right. which if you like, is really really strict. If you um, if you change a release date outside of a thirty day window from what it originally was, you have to issue full refunds to every single person that pre-purchased, um, and yada yada yada. Yeah. That's that's really really strict, especially here in the in the U.S. It's very different in other countries, but um, strictly talking about. Uh, physical pre-orders if you don't if retailers don't have that number to go off of they don't know how many units to order day one there will be no stock in the store day one for any walk-ups um, they and then it, they could really really lowball the number and then it takes like two weeks to manufacture and ship out discs to to retailers so yep. if you don't have that pre-order number on day one you might not see stock for another two weeks. Yep. And, uh, and if you're great example. If you're interested in getting it, then geez. No, it's it's that's the truth. You know, and we talked talked about this game earlier. It was Ratchet and Clank, the the yeah. re- reincarnation that came out from Insomniac this year. Uh, Forty dollar game. It's yeah, a play on the original, but it's PS4, blah blah blah. Full <laughs> retail game. Didn't really pre order that well because you know it didn't really have the hype or the marketing behind it. Right. Excuse me, and then not the point blame at anybody there. They understood what it was. It was a forty dollar game that, you know, the core would fall in love with it. But then next thing you know, it reviews very well and people are streaming it and people are realizing it's a forty dollar family friendly game and boom, next thing you know, you can't find it on store shelves for like literally a week and a half, two weeks, whatever it was. And that's just the nature of the business. It's so yeah. funny how I mean, that goes. That's what happened for me. Like uh God, back in uh XCOM Enemy Unknown days. <laughs> I was I was like, I don't need a pre-order. This is an XCOM game. Like, yep. it'll be there. Yep. I couldn't find the game on day one anywhere. Yep. And they're like, no, we got two copies for our store, and both of them were pre-ordered. We didn't get any regular copies. Yep. That's so funny how that works, man. Oh, that's... So I ended up having to drive all the way around town like to like five different stores to find a copy of that game when I could have saved myself all that time by just putting down putting down a pre-order. Exactly. As dumb as dumb as that is. But um exactly. So th- th- there's two tiers to knowing you're doing your research, right? Like if you are a big fan, you know something and you've gone digital then, you know, pre-purchase it on PSN, Steam, Xbox Live, whatever it is. Because you know you're going to love it, even if it's not 100% up to Metacritic standards or anything. But you're a fan of Metal Gear, right? Or you're a fan of F1 or whatever it is. But, of course, if you're still on the fence, 
you know that five dollar pre-order your game at whatever retailer you can literally wait till the next day you don't have to buy it immediately you can sit there and say oh the reviews aren't good oh this streamer doesn't like it you know what i'll go move that five bucks somewhere else i'll get it back exactly even even after the game ships you can move it somewhere else like you can instead of picking it up that day uh which actually curious uh do you have anything pre-ordered right now kyle any games NHL 17. That's it. An annualized sports game. Interesting. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Canadian. It's, it's in my blood. It's just yeah, like, no, no. no. <laughs> it's funny. Like I was talking to someone. They're like, I, I never pre-order Madden, and every year I can't find it because it's always sells out. I'm just like, why don't I learn my lesson? I yeah, buy a day one every year. That's actually a funny why? example, but yeah. Yeah, it's like something stupid that it's just like if you're gonna buy it. Just pre-order it because that actually it actually helps. Right. If you know you're going to buy it, please pre-order it. it. Helps the entire industry. Now, and I, you know, I'll say for myself, <laughs> and you're probably quite sim- in simply the same in the same place as me. Whereas, you know, certain games, F1, NHL, uh, when a Metal Gear comes out, and like games, Uncharted, whatever it is, something's coming out that I am. I don't give a shit if I know I'm getting a free code of it. I don't give right. a shit if. You know, if it's digital versus physical, I know, or I don't want to wait for the reviews. I know I'm going to buy this game, and I know I'm going to like this game, even if the reviews are six and sevens across the board, because mm-hmm. I'm an NHL fan. I'm a Metal Gear fan. I'm a Madden fan. Whatever it is, I know I'm supporting it because I'm going to like it, and that's where people yeah. got to understand it, and that's where you support, then, the industry. You support those developers and publishers, and you support by, in, you know, the retail space, bringing yeah. more, more to the stores. Exactly, and especially for, uh, I was going to segue real quickly to uh, games that don't necessarily have the weight in our region. Like, the only game I have pre-ordered right now is Persona 5. Uh, understandable, though. <laughs> and, and, uh, and that's the collector's edition, because God knows you will be, it will be impossible to find that on day two, because Atlas does not make a yep. lot of collector's editions. That is so true. It's going to be pandemonium when that shit releases so like and that's it's something to one prove that that franchise has weight here in the u.s and the only way to prove that is actually with pre-order numbers that's true because because that'll help have them localize more games in the future when they see that it actually sells and attracts well right um so as much as the entire uh journalism side says, don't pre-order games, don't pre-order games, don't pre-order games. I don't agree with that. Don't pre-order everything. Right. Once but again, do your research. Know what you like. Yeah, if you're interested in a game, pre-order it. If that, if that interest changes midway through the campaign, cancel your pre-order. Right. I don't care. Like, pre-order the ones that you actually think you're going to buy. Yep. And, that, and that's where I highly recommend more and more people try your best i know it's not easy and i know it's expensive and everything there but try to go to conventions try and go to educate yourself just yeah like (laughs) exactly educate yourself know people that have played it trust listen to podcasts like get into a lot of these things and it's it really will help you out in the long run where you have basically three piles right you have your pile of 100 i'm gonna buy it no matter what because i'm a big fan i don't care what the reviews say then you have the ones in the very middle. I mean, a lot of people in No Man's Sky, potentially, if they did it right. I don't really know much about it, but I trust this person, or I'm going to wait and see, it, or I read this on my article. radar. 
now. Yeah, it's on my yeah. radar, so I'm not going to necessarily pre-order it, but I still may buy it and go get it, you know, day two or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then there's the ones in the, in the third pile, which is absolutely not. There's no way, or you don't even know about it. And then you can kind of put into their discoverabilities key, where it's hard for indie titles to get discovered on, you know, the, the vastly growing and filling space that is digital gaming on uh, Steam, uh, PlayStation Network, and Xbox Live, you know, and that's where, once again, do your research to find those hidden gems, whether it be on Twitch streams, whether it be going to conventions, you'll be blown away. The amount of games speaking that of, slip through the cracks. Speaking of hidden gems, man, Don't Starve Together is coming out <laughs> in two weeks. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, I love that game. I love Don't Starve, the original and all the expansions. That's just such a good game. So, that is... and there's, but there's so many games like that fall into the same vein of like this game's amazing. But okay, so and Don't it, Starve, did it wasn't that a PlayStation Plus game? It was, yes. And that yeah. is how I played it and how I discovered it. It's so good. Um, but I, I fell on the hype train not from the PC days. Okay, fair. And then and then when that came to PSN, I was like, oh my god, this is so good. Um, but yeah, that's. That blossomed my love for roguelikes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I never could get into it because I get so frustrated and I was just didn't have the patience for the game. But I gave it the time of day and played it so much. And I actually really enjoyed watching people stream that game. Because when you saw people that were really fucking good at it, I was like, holy <laughs> shit. How the hell are you doing that? Like, how It's remarkable. So, yeah, I'm... I'm excited for it. I don't know how much I'll play it if I'll pick it up, but I know for a fact. I know Brian, Professor B, if he's still in the mm-hmm. chat, he he's all about it, and he'll be he'll be into it. Um, but, you know, in uh, the chat, kudos to you guys for carrying on conversations and talking about pre-ordering games and there's all this different stuff that's going on. You know, people basically kind of what we talked about. Will is they're pre-ordering the games they're guaranteed they know they want because they're yeah. a fan of the series, Battlefield, World of Warcraft, whatever it is, and you know. Um, L7 said on here, like, Civilization Six, don't let it be a letdown. But L7, is that going to deter you from pre-ordering it or buying it? Are you going to get it no matter what, even if the reviews suck? I mean, that's the thing. And then if, if it's not very good, do you feel entitled to return it? You know, those are the open-ended questions we'll leave for mm-hmm. another day, but it's kind of... <laughs> that's, that's real tough. You can't get through one Civ game in two hours. <laughs> no. <laughs> you, yeah, you can't sit there for two hours and be like, this game sucks. It's like, no, you probably don't know what a Civ game is then, and you probably shouldn't have bought it. Yeah, but. no, anything that has Sid Meier's name on it, I, I will buy. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's what's great. Is like, I mean, Alpha Centauri, uh, Sid Meier's Pirates, like, um, God, even, I think he actually, he did Colonization as well. Like, I mean, there's, I've played, like, every one of his games that, and they're just, they're all so good. Oh, yeah. No, it's, you see that name stapled on it. You know, it's, it's definitely a certain type of game. But for those of them, uh, the people that do like them, they love them. Um, Hazal oh, kind of says something interesting here that I don't think we'll dive too much into either. But it says, so when it comes to digital, should there be something implemented like a retail store where you can throw down a percentage of the game? And if day two, you're like, nope, not what I came, what, what it came to be. Or you're just like, you want your percentage back. Uh, should that be something they do digitally with pre-ordering versus pre-purchasing? Um, or is it basically, and I know this is a slippery slope once again, a digital trade-in thing? I, I'm not for that. I don't think that makes sense. But is it maybe you're like, okay, I'll throw $5 down on this digital pre-order, but then I wait to see what the reviews are, or wait to see if I even have time for that matter, 
before I actually shell out the rest of the money and buy the game. Because with digital, it's not an allocation problem. They don't need to print X number of discs. Oh, he actually raises a good point, though. He's he's saying that um, it's really about getting the pre-order bonuses on digital. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so like he he's like, I have no problem waiting day two and watching this watching the streamers, but that's actually going to cost cost me money. Oh yeah, because okay. then I'll lose then I'll lose the pre order DLC. Um, that's interesting. So, but I guess you have to kind of look at it from from this lens. It's either going to cost you a lot of money, or cost you a little bit more. So yeah. you could you look at the opportunity cost if you're I mean, do your research. If you're not, if you're not 100% sold on it still, then I'd say like, I'd say wait, wait a day, check out the reviews. If the embargo lifts and launch day, then get it after, get after that. If you if you like it, um, if you're 100% sold on it, then yeah, then get it. Yeah, I think but, the thing is, if you're so concerned about what that day one DLC is, which normally isn't way too groundbreaking, and I say normally, there are exceptions then you probably are a big enough fan to where you, exactly. you're going to buy it anyway, so you don't need to wait to see if the Metacritic's a 6 or a 7, It's which by no means is a bad game, once again. <laughs> but it, it's it, if, you, if you really are that concerned about maybe a character skin or an extra weapon or something like that in a game, I mean, then you probably are a big enough fan to where you're just going to buy it. So you might as well do it. Mm-hmm. But... Once yeah. again, there's exceptions to everything. <laughs> but, um, let's, but yeah, so we'll, I'll try and power through here real quick just so that uh, I know I don't want to take up too much of your time there, Will. And I know uh, I got a girlfriend that's probably out there going, what the fuck is Kyle doing? But yeah. <laughs> Everyone say hi to mom. Yeah, mom. She's not watching right now. It's not actually my mom, Will. It's my girlfriend. That the chat calls her mom when she jumps in here. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, so, you know, I I think there's not too much else you really need to dive too deep on. The other one that really stands out to me that I thought was very interesting and kind of came out of left field but makes sense was PlayStation Now uh, coming to PC, um, which is uh, Sony's streaming service through the cloud to where you can then go play older games. So it's backwards compatibility. It's not really backwards compatibility and you still got to re-buy the game slash time to play the game. But it, it, it is a nice alternative. I know a lot of people that actually do use it. Shockingly, I don't. But a lot of people are like, oh, Uncharted's coming out. And I didn't want to go buy the collection. But I'll just rent the first one for $10 and see if I like it. And they, some people did that. It was just like, okay, interesting. And this is coming to PC. So uh, the long story short is PC people that only stick to PC now technically have the opportunity to play some major IPs such as Uncharted, like we talked about Uh think it's interesting i think it makes financial sense if they want it to be successful from sony's perspective so hey, does that interest you will uh man i've been following gaikai for a long time <laughs> uh, but no it's 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 super interesting um and obviously i work with with those guys so uh we have we have our games up on there um the That's saints right. row saints row 4 and the original dead island are Two of the top five games rented every single month on the wow. on that platform. So it's like it's it's a constant revenue stream for us. It's really like and it's 
And once it's, it's up, a, it's up, right? It's not like there's major back-end you could, costs. You could take it down if you wanted to, but no one really does. But I'm um, saying from a month-to-month cost perspective for you guys, there's really, there's nothing but benefits to it being up. Right. It's nothing, it, it's nothing, there's nothing but benefits uh, in that sense because it's just, it's exposure to the IP, to the IP, it's exposure to the brand. It, um, it's, in my opinion, it's the best way to make money on catalog product. Right. Uh, when, when I say catalog product, that means non-new releases for anyone who's curious. Um, but like, it's the best way to make money on catalog product because otherwise, like at a GameStop or something, it just sits on the shelf until you discount it, discount it, discount it, until right, someone right. eventually says, okay, I guess XCOM, the Bureau, is worth 10, 10 bucks. I'll right. take a stab at it. Like, I mean, if they're in there to save money too, they're probably then buying the pre-owned version. Not always, but it, it's you're then competing against a different sale exactly. essentially. So I mean, that's 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 the one thing that's that's super interesting. I think um, PS Now is ob- it's a great product solution. They're um, they have moved away from kind of the rental model and gone into like the subscription model. Uh, they're focusing more on that, and that's. There's tons of games tons on there. Tons of stuff. My big problem is I work in the industry and I have a bookshelf covered in games. Yes. Uh, yes. Why would I have a subscription when I basically I have more games on my shelf than they have in their subscription model? Um, like that's that's my personal problem. I'm right. definitely the minority there. Uh, I have used it. It works great. Um. Uh, I just I wish there were like like any I mean the consumer the gamer in me would love if uh, if all the games that I own digitally autom- I automatically had entitlement to play on there right like that's that I would love that financially that doesn't make a damn bit of sense from Sony's end just because like that's they're completely separate companies that actually that hold that. Mm-hmm. And so there's no, there's really no crossover there, but um, yeah, no, I just if I were a different person, I would use the service a lot more. Like it's there's a time and a place and a huge market for that service. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. it's not me at this point in my life. Yeah, no, it's not me either. And you know, I, I think the other thing that people tend to forget, and I think it's smart bringing it to PC because it opens up that 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 uh the consumer base that they hadn't been able to tap into before they, there's pc people that are strictly pc now they can play some of these amazing games like you said dead islands on their uncharted it's like wow like you know they, they can now open these doors whether you know whether they played them before or not um and, and it's on other services too like they're streaming tvs um set top boxes it's it's available in other ways too for your non-traditional core gamer so mm-hmm. it, i think it makes sense so. Yeah, I mean that—that's the biggest issue with uh, with first-party games, like whether it's <laughs> whether it's Sony, whether it's Nintendo, whether it's Microsoft. Um, if you don't have that platform, you can't play those games. Right. And that's kind of the beauty of of this move is, hey, you know, uh, you know that platform you don't have. Well, you can play the games anyway. Exactly. I think it makes sense. And, and yeah, when Hazard, when I was making the example of Dead Island, I'm just saying like people can play great games such as these. But yeah, when it's strictly to an exclusive standpoint, yeah, PC now um, can touch games that were never on a PC, such as the Sony first party games, such as Uncharted. 
Um, yeah, so the, I think I that's mean, where it'll shine. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, uh, you got to think about it. Like, what do they never have access to? Like the Uncharted, the Ratchet and Clanks. Um, like, what's what? What game would I want to play on that platform? Uh, God, if there were Demon Souls on it, I'd play that again. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Like, I mean, it, just certain yeah. games where it's just like, God, this didn't exist anywhere else. That was a PS3 exclusive. Holy yep. shit, I want to play that game. I think that's actually a spectacular example. If they were put Demon Souls on PlayStation Now and opened up the PC audience and the, the Souls so the, audience. Holy the problem shit. is that would never work, and that's a specific okay, example yeah. of who owns the rights to that game. It's five different people in <laughs> four, on three different continents. Yeah. Like, and that's that's a really, really weird situation where, uh, God, so Sony directly published that in Japan, Atlas published it, published it in the U.S., and someone else, I'm blanking on it, published it in Europe. Right. Three different, com- three different companies split the global rights to that game, there's no possible way that it'll ever get put on PS Now. Yep. Because of that fact. Yep. And, and Sony's got to be kicking themselves to what the Soul series turned into. They could have made that into the, the the game that it is, but strictly on the Sony platform, that would have been fucking unreal. Or Microsoft, <laughs> or anyone for that matter. But it's just like, I don't think anyone it, saw that going the way it did. And I know they transitioned it into the Dark Souls, but it, crazy. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's really interesting. They're Two games came out on that day. I think it was the same day. Um, that are two of my favorite games: uh, the original Valkyria Chronicles okay. and Demon Souls. <laughs> that was a busy time for you. Those are not easy pick up and play games. <laughs> Those are like two of my favorite games. Came out like within weeks of each other, or if not on the same day. And I pre-ordered both those games. And I remember coming in there and the GameStop attendant being like, what game? And they'd never heard of either yep. of them. Yep. Yeah. And I, I had like, no idea about Demon's Souls until my buddy Derek yeah. had it. And we were just like, this oh. is fucking awesome. And impossible, but... <laughs> yeah, I got Platinums in all the Souls games. It's great. Jesus Christ, dude. That's that's impressive. I'll give you that. Wow. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't finished three yet, but... I got uh, I got demons. I got dark. I got dark. One, get dark two. I got bloodborne, and I haven't finished three, but I'll, <laughs> I'll get it eventually. Man, well, more power to you. But all right, guys. So we're gonna <laughs> wrap up the. I, mean, I I I can't do them, man. I just don't have the patience or the the fucking just fortitude to keep powering forward on them. So like I said, more power to you. Cause hey, you guys go watch Will on his his channel, the stream and that stuff. Cause. You sure as hell ain't going to see it on mine unless I'm doing a drinking game. So, <laughs> yeah, but we'll transition out of the news, uh, guys, and we'll go into the topic of the show. We'll keep it very brief because um, I know we kind of talked on a lot of this stuff, whether it be F1 and Deep Silver and some of the, the stuff that uh, Will has had his mittens on over the years and the more recent months. Um, but, you know, with Will being a special guest and somebody that is deep into the industry, you know, I think it is interesting when everybody has their story and we'll, uh, you know, if we if it's fine by you, uh, we'd like to know, you know, how you got your start, where you first started in the industry and where that passion came from. And, you know, what what are you working on now? What's the future kind of look like, too, with uh, Deep Silver's announced some uh, some pretty cool looking titles recently as well. So what do you got? 
Yeah, um, I have a really, really weird origin story. Um, obviously, I talked, I touched a little bit about what got me interested in games in the first place um, back in when I talked about Sonic 06. Yep. Uh, but yeah, my uh, my passion, like I've I've always loved games. Um, back when I was a kid, uh, I wasn't allowed to have like a have a console. I learned to uh, I learned to type on a computer by playing. Uh, text-based RPGs. That's uh, so like all those really, really old like Infocom games, the Zork series, and all that crap. That's those are my first games I ever played, which is okay. which is really, really dating myself. Um, but how I got into the industry uh, back in like God what was it 08 when uh, the economy was absolutely terrible and there wasn't a job to be found anywhere. Um, I, I was college grad, and I was like, I can't find a job. This is terrible. Uh, so on the PlayStation blog, uh, shout out to Jeff Rubenstein, Sid Schumann, and all those guys back in the day, um, there was a casting call to be on a reality TV show. And it was, uh, it was, uh, I was like, oh, yeah, sure, why not? I'll submit to be in that. I like games. That sounds fun. Um, so Were you on the first season of The Tester? I won the first season of the tester. That's how I got into games. No fucking oh my god! I feel like the biggest idiot right now. I watched that shit beginning to end. Why? Uh, that's uh, oh, okay, guys. I just had a fucking crazy epiphany. Like that just hit me. Wow. That's it. And the prize of that show was a job with PlayStation. <laughs> shit. Okay. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> So that's uh, so I won a job with PlayStation. I worked in uh, QA for for six months. I worked on Sports Champions Two. I worked on God nice. of War: Ghost of Sparta. Um, I worked on God. There's a couple others. I I worked on uh, God of War, God of War Collection. Uh, I was real good at Kratos by the end of that six months. <laughs> like I was real good. I. I had the speed run record in uh, internally in one of those games. I could beat like first God of War in under two hours, which I was real happy about. Good God! But uh, you the you get real one, good dude. at the first one, yeah. Okay, that's I, I'm not even I don't, comment on that. That's something sick. something dumb. It was <laughs> it was just it was real real bad. But um, so worked there six months and then uh, transitioned into PR. Uh, worked. Worked for Sony for about two and a half years, um, and then uh, when agents decide, and then I've been at Deep Silver since. Wow, that's why did I not put two and two together? That is fucking Be- impo- that's amazing. Yeah, so sometimes you break into the industry, and sometimes you win a reality TV show. Hey, that, that's... that didn't air on TV; it aired on the internet. You know, that's it aired so on funny. PlayStation Network. <laughs> that's so funny because I, I I talk to Meredith once in a while and and, and um, like, yeah, Molinari, she's great. When are they bringing it back? You know, because I'm all good friends with like Sky Diddy and J Tight and a lot of these guys, yeah. and because oh, we're all part of the PlayStation now defunct PlayStation MVP program, which right. was in the original and came from PlayStation Gap and all that good stuff. So I'm yep. one of the true before they opened it up and killed it. But um, <laughs> we can dedicate another day for that. But um. That's fucking insane. I had no idea, and let I was staring right at it because I watched that and I watched all the series. That's cool. So hey, no, it's cool. That, that shows that that shows terrible. Um, 
I, but I enjoyed it. I actually it was, enjoyed it. So it was it was quality B rated entertainment. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. It was it wasn't meant to be a good show. <laughs> no. Which is like what made like it was it was so cringeworthy, but that's what they were going for. Right. So it was it it is what it is. It's uh it's a relic of a time gone by. Yes, is what it is. That's exactly it. But I, I mean, I enjoyed it for what it was because I knew what it was, and I yeah. just kind of like sitting there going, like, I could be on this show. I know all these questions. What the fuck? And it, that's so funny, though. Man, I'm, yeah. I'm nerding out way too much over that. So yeah, so that's uh, that's I'm the only person that's still in the industry from that. <laughs> Actually, was... no, that's not that's not true anymore. Uh, gamer works at WB. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, Very he works cool. at, at WB Games. Whatever happened to Achilles? Uh, he worked at Sony Santa Monica for a little bit. Um, right. I don't know where he is now. Interesting. That's but that's still really funny. That I can't, I can't believe it, huh? Well, <laughs> there it is, guys. Like you said, uh, you know that. Everybody has an interesting story to tell, like I said, when it how they somehow get in the games and their passion for games, this and that. And Will literally won a reality TV show put on by PlayStation, <laughs> which I literally think back when this was happening. And I'm pretty sure I tried to get onto that show, too. So, God damn it. Yeah. yeah look, no. here we are. We're both on a video game podcast, both working in the industry. It's funny how that works. Things come full circle. But uh, yeah, I mean that's that's where I got my start. Uh, since then, been uh, God Saints Row's been a lot of my life. I've come to know and love the color purple oh, a lot. Yes. Um, He's always known as rocking the the big the purple bright like vest or the shirt you got and the shoes. There's, and a, sh- there's a shiny purple jacket that is uh, that is known as the dis- <laughs> the disco jacket that uh, that is rocked at every single convention. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, the guys that the developer for Saints Row, uh, we announced their new game, uh, Agents of Mayhem. We announced that at E3. Yep. So that's that's coming in 2017. That's that's super cool. I'll pub that uh, real quickly. It is a single player, squad based, uh, open world third person shooter, um, comedy style, very similar to Saints Row. It's actually a new a new IP within the Saints Row universe. Um, Super cool, super, uh, super, just out there in the, in what it does. It's basically you uh, you play as an agency of super agents uh, thwarting the evil uh, schemes of a kind of counter agency. It's basically this uh, terrorist organization called Legion, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, intent on oblivion nations. <laughs> is what that acronym stands for. Uh, but yeah, so you're um, you play as them and. It, the, the cool thing about it is it's a squad-based shooter where you play as one person at a time and they're the only person that's on the screen and you use this really cool agent swapping mechanic uh, that feels very much like, uh, think, think Marvel vs. Capcom, where yeah. you're uh, swapping out the characters. Um, you're all, there's only one on the screen, but you're swapping out the characters because whether you need health, time to health regenerate uh, the person you're playing against, the other the other one uh, has the advantage against them. Whatever reason, you're doing that. So it's that kind of mechanic, that almost like fighting game thoughts, thought process in a third-person shooter. 
Very cool. No, I know. When I first saw the uh, the first cinematic trailer when that dropped a few months ago, it looked very interesting, and it was nice to see something fresh. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, of course, with the humor that we all know and love. So uh, just dropped in the trailer right there into the chat for those of y'all that are tuning in right now live. Um, but otherwise, you know, everybody else that's listening on podcasting services, uh, take a search for it. Go to YouTube. Uh, Agents of Mayhem looks awesome and the next big thing out of Deep Silver, right? What's the next big release out of you guys, anyway? Oh, God. Well, we just, I mean, we spent this year releasing a bunch of, bunch of stuff. Uh, but, yeah, that should be the, that should be the, next, the next one. Uh, we have, what's announced, what's announced, what's announced? Uh, we're doing a... Uh, yeah, we got to be careful. <laughs> yeah, that's the, we're doing a publishing deal with uh, Tripwire, uh, the guys uh, behind Killing Floor. Uh, we're oh, doing wow. uh, Killing Floor 2. Uh, it's a PS4 exclusive uh, game. It's basically uh, a horde mode. Think like Left 4 Dead. Um, it's a co-op horde mode game. It's super, super fun, super bloody, uh, as you can imagine with a game with a name like Killing Floor. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, it's a lot of fun. It's really hard, really, really hard. Um, and I'm an old like I'm an old Counter Strike competitive player so mm. when, I, when i say that a shooter's hard it's pretty hard uh, <laughs> well i mean it sounds like this one's going to be uh the good type of game that'll be up there streaming it sounds like it'll be uh, a lot of fun for people to tune in and watch yeah no that's i'm gonna i'm gonna be really excited to play that because that's that's one of those that you hop in with a group and it, it gets rowdy real quick because uh think like call of duty zombies like one person's not watching the side door, right. and you get mad. You get real mad at them real fast. Just, like the phrase, uh, the phrase "you had one job" comes up a lot <laughs> <laughs> when I play this game. Perfect. It's uh, like that my co my coworker Ryan. It's like Ryan, you had one job: the side door. The side door was your job. <laughs> Oh, that's where some best moments are, man. When you have that that banter against each other, and that's where you capture yeah. it. Oh yeah, it's, it's so I I love like I don't play competitive multiplayer anymore. I only play co op. So this right. game's right up my this game's right up my alley. Fair enough. I mean that that's good to hear. So some good stuff coming out from Deep Silver. But gonna start wrapping the show tonight. It's been a good, long, solid show. So thank you again to everybody that did tune in here on Twitch listen in live and of course everybody out there that's listening on other services we thank you and of course tell your friends share it with the world you know give us a follow do what you got to do and of course follow on twitch slash penguin rage but most importantly for tonight's show thank you to will powers yes we got to say the full name like you said right at the beginning of the show (laughs) thank you to will powers from deep silver for being here tonight um, sharing his awesome knowledge and uh, having some great conversations about many, many things uh, in the industry. And it's funny, we make a flow of show, we try and you know put out some of the things we want to talk about, but it segues in a million different ways. But that's the best content. And that is what I love to get knee deep into the industry with people that not just know it, but have a passion for it and love it. And we can vary, vary on opinions and everything that's going on there. So Will, thank you again from me and everybody that's listening. Thank you. Cool. Well, thank you for having me on, Kyle. It was great to Hop in uh, your chat, your community is super cool, super engaged, and yeah, I appreciate it. It was great, great chatting with you guys. Awesome. Listen to that, penguins. We're good people. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, and Will, of course, plug yourself anywhere people can follow you, Twitter, Twitch, uh, yeah, you know, uh, anything easiest, Deep Silver, put it out there. Easiest, 
yeah, easiest way to follow me. Uh, I publicize all of our games because I do PR for all of them. So uh, is to follow me on Twitter. It's uh, Will J Powers, and uh, that's me on Twitch as well. Um, usually I stream Mondays and Tuesdays, uh, but I'm doing this show on Mondays, and I'm co-hosting it on my Twitch. So this is basically me streaming. Yeah, it works, right? Everybody knows. <laughs> yep. And let me try and type this in. Will J Powers. Go give Will him a Will J Powers on the interwebs. There it is. The internet's that thing we all can't live without nowadays. So once again, thank you to Will, and thank you to everybody that's been here this evening. It's been absolutely wonderful, as I said from the top of the show and multiple times in between, because i got to plug it because I need to. I'm Penguin Rage. I'm a variety streamer here on Twitch. And, of course, this is the Games Reloaded Podcast, Episode 9. Check it out if you're watching it on YouTube or on Twitch. It's also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and YouTube, as I mentioned. And, of course, to see all the regular streaming content here on Twitch.tv slash Penguin Rage, come join us on Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, in the evening where we get drunk, drink whiskey, and play games with the Penguins. And, of course... I'll play anything. You throw that shit out there. We'll go download a Steam key for something crazy. Osri, I still owe Game of Undertale. We'll do it. So until <laughs> next time, everybody, you have been absolutely wonderful. We'll be back Friday night. Right. Thanks, guys. <laughs>